0: No fun intros today. No fun today. I've been a fan. I've been a Kings fan since 1988. Give or take. If you ask my father, I was a Kings fan when I was born, but that's ridiculous. I have no memory of that. So I'm going to say 1988. I don't think I've ever seen this level of tumult surrounding a good Kings team. This is... A spectacular fall. I am Caro, barely. How are you tonight, <laughs> Vardy?
1: Uh, I thought you said we weren't going to do anything fun. Was that now, fun?
0: Did I make you laugh?
1: You made me laugh. Good so for you, you ruined it I was coming in angry. Um, I'm still angry. I mean, I'm and look, you just got to go on Twitter for the last twenty four hours. I I never thought through the ups and downs of this last four to six week stretch. I I never thought that the one that would that the final knives, the etu et brute stabbing of the Kings would be back to back losses, overtime loss to San Jose, whatever. And then Probably one of the most viscerally just draining ugh, losses I can I can think of this season. That five three loss last night against Buffalo. I mean, just just like like a true feels like rock bottom kind of loss. Which is funny to say because, yes, they're still in the playoff spot. Yes, there's still plenty of teams standing-wise that are worse than them. There's there's teams that are even in the last 20-game stretch worse than them. But for how this team started, for the expectations that have been placed on this season and this team, for the moves that were made to make this team what it is to be at this point in this season after how they started is is unfathomably bad and it and it feels that way it feels just as heavy as that sounds and i know anyone who's listening to this anyone who's watched those games anyone who's been following this team feels that exact same way because you like i said you just have to go spend 30 seconds on your on your twitter feed and you will just see the madness that everyone is feeling at the moment.
0: I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say the last knife was a saber. Oh, that's good. Right? Damn. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, man, I mean, this is, you texted me that it's a nuclear winter and I just can't get those words out of my, because it's just not, okay, the series of events after the loss I guess let's briefly set the table. We're not going to go through every game. Um,
1: God knows there's been a lot of them.
0: Yeah, we last recorded against Washington. Remind me of the date. I guess it doesn't matter. It was the game. So we
1: recorded on the night because that Washington game was a weird afternooner, Correct. if you recall.
0: I do. And Sadly. that was
1: the game which they, in spectacular fashion, lost in the very last seconds of the game. Yes. And what? At least they seemed like they were going to get a point out of.
0: And at that point, they had lost five straight. They went on to lose three more. Then they won you're one. Just,
1: uh, to clarify, yes, there were some overtime losses in there. Sure, but it's not but a win. I,
0: I'm not going to do the winless. It, it's thing.
1: not a win. It's it's not Sorry. a win. I get but, it, but I just mean it from a points perspective. But Kurt, yes, I right. understand what you're saying. You're
0: right. Um. I think they have two wins in their last 14. Since the Islanders game December 9th, the Kings are
1: 6-11-6. Yes.
0: Which you can interpret as six wins, 17 losses. An absolutely brutal stretch of hockey. Like I said, probably the worst stretch I've seen from a quote-unquote good Kings team. Others have brought up the 13-14 team. That was bad too. What's the difference? One, I don't know.
1: One eight, one eight and one. Was that the stretch? And...
0: They had a, a one-eight and one stretch going into the all-star all-star break, right. I believe. Um right. or the Olympic break, sorry. The difference is they had won the cup two seasons before. And I know that's a little thing, but to me, like <laughs> I was not upset at that point because at that point I felt the team did not have to do jack shit for another 10 years. Right. Which ironically, here we are. Mm -hmm. So, they lose to the Sabres in, like you said, dramatic fashion, and the timeline of events, first of all, Twitter was already melting down, including us. I started posting things like, the end is nigh, and a rock bottom gif, which only nine people got, makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: We thought we knew our audience.
0: (laughs) Said things like, the chickens are coming home to roost, because it felt truly felt like for the first time that a major change was probably about to happen or we got as close to it as we possibly could. We have not to date ever tweeted said fire Todd or it's time for McClellan to be fired, anything of that nature. But I will say for the first time this season, And during the stretch, after the Sabres game, after that buzzer sounded, I believed that it could happen. Mm -hmm. Then we go into the post-game pressers, and that's when the real fun begins. Because Drew Doughty, seemingly from left field, not from left field in the sense that what you're watching, left field for what we've come to expect out of these media scrums, no matter how bad or good the team is playing, historically... You don't get that, what we got from Drew Doughty, the candidness, the frustration, the willingness to reveal, so to to speak, to peel the curtain back and and kind of give you an insight on what's going on with the team. Because one question that has always come up, and specifically during the stretch is, what is going on in that locker room when you're losing like this? And... I'm not saying what Drew said is accurate, but him saying that guys are more worried worried about their points than they are about what's happening with the team is a heavy, heavy statement. Now, normally, if it was a one-off statement by, let's say, specifically Drew Doughty, who's emotional and is not afraid to flap his gums, I would maybe just be like, all right, well, you know, One guy's frustrated, he maybe this is like him trying to be a leader or whatever. But then (laughs) Anj Kopitar doubled down on that comment and agreed with that comment. And that's when to me, like that's a that's pulling the fire alarm a little bit. Because that's not a throwaway comment. That's not just one guy trying to become a leader or thinks he's leading. Like two makes. That's smoke already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And w- That's already something smoking. And then in the presser, Todd's presser, he kind of agrees with that statement. And after that, everything goes to hell. Media members attacking each other. I don't know. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> <laughs> Mass hysteria. <laughs> Ghostbusters quote there. So it it was one of the most unforgettable nights for me. Certainly since we started this podcast.
1: Right. For all the wrong reasons.
0: (laughs) For all the wrong reasons. Definitely since we've been, I don't know, have we, like we're kind of quasi uh, independent media at this point because we are starting to build a relationship with the LA Kings PR team. They are aware of us. We've been invited to several games. We've been in the press box. We've been in these pressers. And the stuff that's going on right now, it's a completely different thing for me because and you too, obviously, because we're starting to know these characters involved now right. a little bit more. Like I right, was looked, almost yeah, I've looked Todd McClellan in the eyes. You know, he's a right. he's a real person now. Right. He's right. not the guy on TV behind the bench. There is three dimensions to him because I I see him now on a whatever bi-weekly basis, whatever you want to call it. Right. And so to me it was just the most fascinating in the wrong way like you said night I've experienced in this stage of my Kings fandom.
1: Yeah, and and I think I forget if we talked about it on on an episode or or what but we had we had mentioned how the more we do this, the more it almost like makes it difficult to be a fan of the team in a way, like you, you, like because you see that, because you get a little more engrossed, because like you start getting a little bit of understanding of the inner workings of it, it it was almost easier when you could just be an angry fan. It was almost easier to be able to just watch and get angry. And it it's it's to me it's it's the same as like when you get into like an online beef with someone but you don't know who they are. They're just like a screen name and you're just, you know, like you could separate that a little bit. And now that we've been doing, and ironically, I was just thinking about this today, like our very first episode coincided with Rob Blake coming on as, as GM. Our very first episode is entitled The Force of Blakens. Clever even on step one, may I add, but, (laughs) but. I was just thinking about that and I was like, man, we have we came on, we started doing this in what was supposed to be kind of a new era for the Kings and we've followed them along and we've made it to this point and we've seen them now these last 2-3 seasons turn into a newer iteration of a potential contender team. And so it's really hard. It's really really hard because I feel like I had a lot of faith at the end of last season in what the team was going to be this season. I had a lot of faith in the direction that things were going. And, you know, we were we were not shy about how we felt when the Velarde trade kind of went down. And that was, to me, that was the first time I have truly felt some, like, doubt in the direction of how the team was being structured and made and in a way I was like reassured when when they started actually playing so well coming out of the gate and I was like okay all right maybe I was wrong maybe maybe I didn't you know but Dubois still wasn't really contributing during those wins all that much and and you and I have talked about this multiple times that like he remains the big the big story of this season. I mean, it's it's hard not to. And I think the one other thing you mentioned that like, oh, okay. Dowdy's quotes, Angie doubling, dabble, doubling down on it. McClellan tripling down on it. That those were, that was a signal that things were, you know, rotten, more rotten than the team had been kind of leading on. To me, the first signal actually came two nights prior to that. When for the first time, McClellan came out and said, Du Bois got to be better. We have tried every which way. We have done everything. It's, It's enough. He's had enough time and he should be better than this. And then you go back and P.L. has his quotes kind of about that one where he's just like, if I'm doing something wrong and I need, I mean, that was the first sign to me of there is there is some disconnect here. They are getting frustrated with one another. It's not all rosy. It's not all we get it. It's going to take you some time to adjust. And up until that point, the winning that the team had been doing kind of absolved all of that, or covered it up, or at least gave it more runway to kind of figure itself out. But never did I think that we were going to jump immediately from that. I thought that was going to be the hot spot, right? Like, I thought that was going to be the thing and for about one period or, or half of first period against Buffalo, especially being capped with Dubois scoring a goal on the power play, I thought okay, that was it that that one little poke, that one little public call out combined with maybe you know Fiala getting his little call out and benching a few games a few months ago, those little those little points were enough. and then immediately the next game, we have this happen, and it all just falls apart. And so I don't know if it's just been like a kind of a facade that they've been kind of keeping up, because the party lineup until this point has been, we're doing all the right things, but we're just not winning. And, and in all fairness to them, you quoted it, and I I, I like using that Islanders game as kind of a, a beginning point, because I know they didn't play well against... Columbus two games prior to that and I know that's officially like game 22 if you want like the quarter mark but they still got a win and they still got a win a pretty definitive win against Montreal score wise the following game but that Islanders game was a game that I felt like broke this team both physically with Gavrikov being out and in terms of like they got bullied and they lost 3-2 and since that game like you mentioned they've gone 6-11 and 6 10 of those losses 10 of those losses and overtime losses, have been by one goal. And a lot of those games, the Kings are only scoring two or one goals to begin with. So you could see, to their credit, when the coaching staff and when, you know, whoever was responding from the players was saying, like, we're doing all the right things, but we're just falling a little bit short. There's there's some validity to that. They weren't able to get the third goal sometimes. They You know, they're, they're there but just not enough you go on money puck or any of these sites you look at the advanced metrics you look at the really well you know dissected down deserve a win meter like they were ahead on a lot of those games and they just weren't getting the bounces or they weren't getting the save or whatever it was it was keeping them from getting some wins in those game but there's no sugarcoating a loss like this man they lost 5-1 against dallas multiple reasons why that happened weird back-to-back going, you know, against Carolina, end of a road trip. No one felt anything like this in that loss. But this team, losing the Buffalo of all teams, after you just lost in overtime to the San Jose, like that is, that, that is nuclear winter in my mind. And clearly the reactions that we got signal that they agree
0: the main thing that stuck out in McClellan's presser was how many times he used the word stupid or dumb or yeah, you know, one of those words multiple times. And I went back and I watched a lot of that game. I watched it live, but I also went back to watch it because the comments made me want to go back. First of all, Dowdy's comments, right? Your first thought is who is he talking about? Right. Because he says certain guys, he mentioned it's just it's not a big chunk of the guys, it's a certain section of the guys. And Popatar's double down, obviously, and then Todd just keeps talking about these stupid plays. So looking at the Sabres goals, the first one, so that's the one-one goal. It's kind of a weird play where where Talbot makes the first save and was it Paterka who put it in? Yep. He's kind of off to the side. And the guy that's supposed to be covering him is Trevor Moore.
1: Paterka, by the way, gave the pass initially that led to the shot, too. So Moore had him coming in, and Paterka gave the pass off to whoever took the shot. So oh, he's that marked. Led to the rebound. It's his man. Yes.
0: There's no yes. question about it. Trevor Moore completely, I don't want to say, abandons him. He's in the area, but he's not marking him. His eyes are elsewhere. It goes to the side. It's kind of a weird angle shot, but it's still an open rebound. Trevor Moore has had a rough stretch, Mm -hmm. specifically defensively, obviously. He's scoring. He's leading the team in goals. No question about that. He's contributing. But defensively speaking, going all the way back to that Islanders game, Mm -hmm. he is struggling. That Islanders game, it was his man in overtime that got away on the breakaway. I think it was Pajot.
1: Same thing happened against Tampa. He lost Purbix.
0: Yes, or that was Purbix, I believe. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So not
0: the, I, I can't remember the Islanders' <laughs> winner at this point. I think it was a breakaway off of Dowdy pinching in. Yeah, okay. So the Purbix one is the one I'm thinking about. But it's been multiple plays like that with Moore where he's just not been in the right spot or just been a foot behind or just lost focus. So he needs to clean up his defense. And I know we're in a spot where we can't say anything negative about Trevor Moore, but that was not a good play. Second goal. This was fascinating to me. I don't know if you watched the entire uh, Todd Presser, but the goal where Leferriere, where they win the draw, Dubois wins it to England. Mm-hmm. Leferriere pops out to the blue line. Mm-hmm. England tries to give it to him. Leferriere en- ends up on his backhand and it makes like this weak pass back to England, and they go the other way and it's a breakaway. What's fascinating is Todd in his post game says the players called that play on the ice.
1: Oh, interesting! I thought I watched the presser, but maybe I missed the full audio. If you watch
0: the Bally's one, it was three minutes. If you watch the LA Kings YouTube one, it's right. almost thirteen minutes long. And I, if you guys haven't watched it, I recommend you watch it
1: because it's really. By good. the way, thirteen minutes is a really long post game. I mean, we've been to those, and for for the other. Media the podcast folks who have been there they'll tell you these set we we do not have a very good win loss record to these Saturday games that we get invited to I have not been there for a win um so it's not a like he stuck around for if he if he was there for thirteen minutes that's a long post game conference
0: usually it's like ten max if that yeah but he said the uh the players called that play on the ice and he was frustrated at. The fact that they were not thinking when they called the play, because it should have been a left shot guy. In this case, probably mm-hmm. Jad popping up there, right? So that they could have obviously it's a strong side play on your forehand versus they pop up Laferriere, and it's a on your weak side, right-handed. It's a bad play. It goes. So, just one more thing, probably that Todd's mentioning about being <laughs> about a quote unquote dumb play. Um, the third goal was probably the most frustrating well I can't say it's the most frustrating because what Fiala did later but Mm. the third goal it's the long change in the second period Mm -hmm. and the Kings exit the zone they get it to Grunstrom. that's in the neutral zone around center ice and Carl has about there's guys on him but he has at least a second to just get it in deep because they're tired and move the other way or get off the ice whatever Instead, he makes a very weak play. It's almost a turnover. He tries to do this like weird chip. And Buffalo basically regroups real quick and goes the other way. Now, Grunstrom is going off the ice, so Moore and Deneau hop on. But D's tired. I think it was a well-covered play in general. But Todd also mentioned, because someone asked about the second line and how they were minus four, Mm-hmm. And Todd mentioned they're actually a minus three because, right, what because, was on there. Did, because what Grunny did cost them a minus. So that's another stupid play he's talking about. I'm just trying to break down what these, these guys are mentioning. The game winner, I don't think anyone is going to need an investigation to figure out what the stupid play was. And I'm, man, Kevin Fiala we love what Kevin Fiala does offensively and we always say you take the good with the bad with Kevin Fiala because he's that much of a special player with the puck but at this point, and I'm very sorry Kev (laughs) you're not listening, but you, Kevin Fiala has to change as a hockey player and he has to do it very quickly you don't have to change your offensive stuff, but this stuff about Kev being Kev that shit's over, dude like that has to be over now. The ask is for him to basically improve this one area of this game of his game, and it's puck management in key situations. And I do not think it's a tall ask to ask Kevin Fiala to stop making what can only be described as brain dead plays. Mm-hmm. It's been happening all season. He's been benched for it. Certainly, he's not going to get taken out of the like in the into the press box I mean for it. I understand that you know this isn't peewees but this has happened so many times at this point that it needs to be addressed somehow. I don't know how um but Todd mentioned like hey we've, we we feel like we've pulled all the levers or mm-hmm. we've poked as much as we can or have bullets in the chamber whatever but I disagree. He has not used all the bullets in his chamber when it comes to these errors. Has Carl Grunstrom sat one game this year? I don't think so. Like I said, you're not going to sit Kevin Fiella most likely, but you can certainly peel back his minutes So Well, you benched him.
1: I mean, you felt comfortable benching him for a period. So that's more than yeah, most but, of the you know, other players. But have like, had. it's one
0: of those look, I've coached and I've been guilty of this too. When you're one of your best players makes a mistake. Right. When you do bench them, you're almost like, okay, like how quickly can I put him out there without this making me look like a jackass? Right. That's in your head because you need him. Right. Like you can sit him, like you could sit him a period, but you look at the scoreboard, you're like, shit, how long am I going to sit him? Because...
1: Because you understand the use of that player. Absolutely. And you hope that that player is going to redeem themselves, which a lot of times Fiola manages to do. I mean, in all, again, I'm not in any way excusing that horrific slot corner. I mean, it, it's just one of the dumbest passes attempts in that moment in the game or in any moment of the game that you could attempt to make. But you look at that against his performance just two nights prior in San Jose where he, I mean, the first line was doing nothing. And if it wasn't for the heroics of that line and mostly Fiala, the Kings wouldn't even gotten a point out of that game, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. All that to say, I think when Dowdy says that, when Kopitar says that, when Todd like basically confirms all of that, these are the plays that has been haunting this team in this stretch. Simple hockey decisions. Getting the puck in deep when you know your team is tired. When you know it's a long change, you have the puck with control. You're at the red line. Literally, all you have to do is not make the worst possible decision. Same thing with Fiala. I think this is what they're trying to say. I don't think they worded it very well with respect to Drew Dowdy. I didn't love maybe what he said so much because it was so vague and it seemed like it was only attacking a portion of the team.
1: I also felt like it was only applicable to, to like this one game and I understand that like it's a it's a painful loss against a bad team when you were up three1 but like to say that guys only care about their stats, I had to, I had to like sit there and be like, I'm not even sure what that means. like what is like I, I like <sighs> that's not in my mind that that reasoning is not why they've been losing these games. Puck management, decision making, smart plays, a total 60 minute effort. That all makes sense to come out and like to have both of them, Kopitar and Doughty say, guys are concerned about scoring goals. I'm like, I have no idea what that means because you guys have been not scoring goals like at all. (laughs) So if we're trying to use that, it was poorly
0: worded man. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. And I'm not saying that with certainty, but it seems to me like what the reference was, was like, we're trying to just get on offense right. all the time without thinking about the risk-reward factor of some of the plays we're making. That's the only thing I could think of, or just the general commitment to the defensive game and to word it as all we care about, it, all these guys care about is their points. Not great. I don't think I've ever confused Drew Doughty with like attack as a... With any tactful speaker, you know what I mean. He's just gonna kind of. Well, no, I mean,
1: he he said it himself, and and I'll give him full marks for this. Like in the full quotes, he basically says that like when you're vocal like I am, and you're and you say it over and over again, sometimes like guys stop listening. Yeah, those are. So I think he, I think right. I think he he realizes that that like, you know that's that's his persona. He's he's you know talkative. He's voicey. He's like he's gonna mouth off, no matter who you are. And I respect his frustration. I respect where both him and Kopi are coming from. And I think a little bit of it does come from a point of like, you guys don't know what it takes to win a cup that that level of like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you haven't been there, so you don't know what it what it means. But I don't necessarily think the reasoning in which they in which they worded things and how they said it made a lot of sense to me so much as it was just like a general attack on offense first players does that make sense absolutely and and i get that and i get that like fiala is the 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 easy culprit in that scenario but again to me to me If I look at that and I think to myself, okay, so what group of players, right? Okay. So he's not saying it's one person. He's saying there's a chunk of players. It's not everyone. Okay. Some, okay. So in that case, all right, so, so it's Fiala, it's Dubois, right? Those are the two obvious culprits that you throw in there. Right. And if you're going to compare those two to one another, or I shouldn't say compare them, but lump them into the same group, that's, that is utter bullshit in my mind. Like you cannot even come close to doing that because Kevin has straight up won you games. He has had stretches where he's like back checked. He's done all the right things. I get that he's done dumb things as well. But when you make a statement like that, when that's the first public statement you have made about anything and you decide that you're just going to like lump people into groups and leave it to others to, to speculate who you're talking about. I don't think that's fair to be like, there's this chunk of players. You guys figure out who I'm talking about. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, and I agree with you. I don't even think it's fair to... to if it, if he is talking about Dubois, I don't think it's fair to even say Dubois. In my mind. So, I didn't like it in general. I, I When he said it, I chalked it up to like, okay, well, maybe he saw, you know, Devon Taves say it like a couple of weeks right. ago and Colorado's been better. I don't know what he... He was thinking in that moment, but I don't think if he's talking about Dubois, I don't think it's fair to Dubois either, personally. I really don't. Um, Dubois taking a lot of arrows right now, and I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve all of it, but the level of shit he's getting right now, that's bullshit to me. He didn't ask the Kings to trade for him. He didn't force the Kings to pay him the money they paid him. He didn't make the Kings give up Gabe Villardi in that trade. This team has no goddamn clue what to do with him. We said this for weeks. They have no idea how to utilize this player to his strengths at all. He's had there were stretches in this in this losing streak where he played very well. And after every game, after every loss, like everything is about PL. Which, I again, I understand because of the optics of the trade. I still think it was a bad trade. But I still maintain that the coaching staff has no clue how to get the best out of P.L. Dubois right now. He played great against Nashville. Loss. He played great. He was great against um, Buffalo. Yeah. He was generating. Uh, again. Yeah.
1: He could have had two and one. He could have had two goals Easily. and an assist. If if Jad could actually hit an open freaking net, that's, that's a primary assist. Easy. Like, he had another deflection that, like, took a weird bounce and Levi had to come up with a huge save against it, right? Like, he was solid. You can't put any of this loss on Dubois.
0: And that's the part that frustrates me about Dowdy's comments because... I would hope as a leader, you have to know the amount of shit your teammates, certain teammates are getting right now. You know that when you utter those words, the first name that everyone's going to think of is Dubois.
1: Exactly. You know that. And you did it anyway. Right. And I'm not saying it was wrong for Doughty to like say something. I'm not saying it was wrong for him to express emotion and frustration, but Yeah. It felt like it was a lot of throwing unnamed individuals under a bus and leaving a dude who has already been the topic of much criticism wide open for even more of it. Especially, especially because like, look, man, it it doesn't matter who it is. If you make a comment like that, it's going to get media attention. But when you're Drew Doughty and you are a well-recognized, well-respected player amongst hockey media and followers etc when you make a comment like that the people who don't necessarily watch this team game in or game out who maybe didn't even watch this game are immediately going to go to the easiest answer to the path of least resistance and go he's talking about pl dubal who's also having a terrible season right like and that's exactly what
0: happened that's what happened tsn Right. right Like all these Canadian outlets that never talk about the Kings, right, are suddenly talking about Dubois. Who was it? Eddie Olchak throws out right. on Edmonton radio randomly, like how good the Jets are, and hey, PL Dubois didn't want to be here, but look at them now. All of us, it's like, dude, you have to, you have to know that was going to happen. Like, how can you not? Right. And then now, and then today, when I'm looking at all the analytics accounts. Um, that put up charts, all of a sudden right. there's like right. four charts of Dubois and how bad he is. Like, come on, man. Right. It's
1: not fair. That's that's my that's my problem. Like, that is not a fair comment to throw out after a game like this. It's not fair to me and it's not fair, look, you want to give Drew a pass because he's he is who he is and he says stuff like this without really thinking about it? Fine. It's even worse in my mind when Kopitar doubles down on it because then everyone, exactly like you said, then everyone's like, oh, that's not just Drew Doughty shooting from the hip. That's like, now we got serious business going on here. And I find that even more bullshit because we've long speculated, at least for the last stretch here, that Kopi's either hurt or something's going on because he really hasn't been himself. Finally, he scores a goal for the first time, I think in 13 games, he scores a goal. His other linemate, Kempe, who, again, his effort I never questioned, but finally got his first goal in nine games. And you come out in a game like this where you lose, and your comment is guys are worried about their individual stats and scoring goals, when you haven't scored in 13 games, You're it. it rings hollow to me. As someone who who dies and lives by this team and follows it day in and day out, when you make a comment like that, I sit there and I go, I don't really understand where that's coming from. I can name you 15 other reasons why this team is losing. It's never been about, it's because guys are worried about their stats. That that logic as to why this stretch of games has been happening, not once has the reasoning of, oh, it's because guys want to score goals. It's because guys want their points. Not once has that ever been the conclusion that I've come to after watching this team play and lose a game. They make yeah. dumb plays. I it's it's exactly like Todd said. It's dumb plays. It's a lack of attention to detail. It's poor changes. It's poor puck management. It's 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 something. It's lineup changes, however you want to look at it. But Never once have I thought to myself, it's because guys are selfish and they're looking to score points. Because when you make a comment like that, you basically excuse all the other things that have led to your losses. I would put bad goaltending ahead of that. Cam Talbot, since he got nominated to the All-Star Game, has allowed five goals, I think, in four games straight, five games straight, something silly like that. That's opened the door for Dave Riddick to come and start multiple games in a row.
0: Sub 900. For sure, I
1: I didn't I didn't like that that cousin's goal at all. I realized it was like the fifth goal. Yeah, but the Kings were pushing. The Kings were definitely like pushing in that moment. And after that, I think there was still like six or seven minutes left, and they just absolutely died. Like they just that was a horrible goal. I I understand it went off a Dowdy stick, but come on, man. Yeah. And there's been there's been moments now that have made me feel very much like the quick Peterson start to last season, where you would feel like the, the team was generating a little momentum and something was going to happen, and then you just get a bad goal. Like, you just get these, like, backbreaker or spirit-breaking goals, and you're just like, they're done. They're absolutely done. You, you want to get mad at something? Again, I, I think they totally underestimated how important goaltending was going to be to them this season. They're went with a platoon system of three guys. They got lucky they had Riddick in the back when yeah. Copley went down. I mean...
0: It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. It's a lot and of I, things. And I agree. It's a ton of things. I agree. Things. Like, I was trying... And I'm still maybe going back and forth trying to make sense of maybe he was talking about puck position. But again, you, ha- you can't... You can't just throw comments like that out. And if you're trying to be some kind of vessel of, I don't know, getting this team tighter or closer or rallying the boys. I don't think yeah. that's, I don't think so, man. That's not No
1: way, dude. No way. That's, Cause a, that's I. A... here's
0: the thing. It wasn't long ago, a couple episodes ago. I think our, I think our episode title was enter the wagon. <laughs> Ironically. Those are the days. And one Oh nine. I think we were talking about how one thing we're sure about is that this team loves each other. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing that was evident, the pit bulls and all this off-ice shit, it looked like, okay, this is a tight group. I I don't know anymore. I don't know. I guess I didn't know then either, but it sure felt like I did. I did. But now I'm not so sure.
1: I mean, everyone feels good when you're winning, right? Everyone's happy. Everyone sure, loves coming you assume to work.
0: Every, that means, yeah, that means, you know, the boys love each other and yada yada, but... I don't know. I don't know where where it goes from here. The, I mean, the only thing I think what you said, a couple episodes ago, the only way out is through still maintains, but I don't know what they need to have some kind of like come to Jesus meeting or something, just like a maybe they're doing it on the flight. I think to they're just right now. I think I they're know.
1: they're desperately trying to get to the all star break at this point, which is and,
0: something. Uh, you know, it's funny because looking at the schedule at the time, I think I, I tweeted out something like, I don't care, just get to the All-Star break and be in the wild card spot. Like, that's... Right. that, But but again, like, you looked at the schedule at the time, you're like, all right, they'll beat San Jose. These would be the points, Buffalo, right? Yeah, right. You know, they'll, you know, go on the road and get smashed by Colorado. By the time you're listening to this, that game will be tonight which I still think they're going to get smashed by Colorado because that building has not, like I still have trauma of 2001 Game 7, 2002 right. Game 7, like these blow, like all I heard was that goddamn horn. And then a couple right. of se- seasons ago, I think they put up nine in Colorado on the Kings, Right. both with Quick and Peterson. So
1: Nate McKinnon's coming off a 24-game home point scoring streak, including four goals last game. Right, it's just it's just the worst possible situation. And you know what's funny to me is, um, Jesse and and Jack Jablonski have kind of been doing these like week previews now, and I was listening to their <laughs> to their episode uh, after the Sharks game, and Jack was just listing stat after stat after stat about just how terrible San Jose was. And and I just couldn't help but laugh because I was just like, man, I know he's not trying to, but he just, you can't help logically, but look at that. If you're an odds maker, you look at that game and you go, you know, Kings by a thousand. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. The, so,
0: line, the line was minus 380, yeah, by the way.
1: There you go. There you go. That is insane. So... And, and then the Buffalo preview was even better because it was like Buffalo has lost four straight back, like the back end of back to backs. They'd lost four straight. They had just played Anaheim the night before, lost in Anaheim. I mean, every single thing was set up for these to be like the points. These are the points you got to get, right? Like every single way. And I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. I... I I don't understand how this is the same team. It just looks nothing like the first bit of the season.
0: Some things I've noticed in their play, and it's driving me goddamn crazy, so I have to say it. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I don't know how many times, I mean, countless times, I've seen Kings players outnumbered in the offensive zone along the boards. Mm Mm-hmm. With the nearest player not being too far, but being in the general vicinity, but not engaging in the battle. It it blows my mind. I don't know if this is a strategic thing where it's like, okay, we're going to draw to win the battle and get like an outnumbered opportunity. But I swear to God, man, and this has happened. It's crazy. I'm going to say this, but the most I've seen it happen with is Dubois. Of all the players that I've noticed this with the most, it's him. Like he
1: is—he's ru- the one engaged on the boards, or he's, he's the one routinely
0: outnumbered. Okay, no, with the puck, he's routinely outnumbered, and it seems like guys are being coached to not go into the into the fight to try to get the puck to win the puck. Mm-hmm. I don't—I don't know. I can't confirm that, obviously, but it's something I've noticed. Another thing I've noticed the 131 ain't working no more. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because the Kings aren't executing it properly, but I was at the Rangers game. I was in the press box, and I've noticed the whole idea is to force a dump, right? And for your right shot defenseman to go get it. Right. The Rangers on every single play, on every single dump, dumped it, essentially shot it so hard around the zone rimmed it so hard that the right-handed guy never even had a chance so it right. would circle back around and their weak and their side guy would
1: already be in the blue. And their yeah. weak
0: side guy is going so hard right so that weak side defender whoever yeah. it is
1: he's got it back off he can't even actually when retrieve he retrieves
0: he does yeah. retrieve but he's got oh, but the guy's, the guy's already on, on top of him yeah this is just one of the ways to counter the one three one but it's not working to me. There's outnumbered... I, the outnumbered attacks aren't because of the one three one because it's transition play. I understand that. But nothing defensively is working the way it was working before. And the 1-3-1 one, one is one of those things.
1: Buffalo was just attacking through the neutral zone with so much speed from the second and third period. I mean, again, the Cousins goal, the Quinn goal, yes, the, the Quinn one, there was a bad change but it was reasonably covered despite the bad change. I mean, if you look at it, like the numbers were there. The issue, the issue was Lewis, whether he was gassed or what the situation was could not stick with the entry. And Buffalo came in super fast into the zone to the point where the 131 had to back up. And by well, the time Well, they didn't even
0: hold on. They didn't even get they, they didn't, they didn't, set they didn't the get the 131. To
1: it. Yes, I know. But because my point yeah because Grundstrom did his stupid pass, but my point is that they came in so fast that even though the numbers were even in terms of the coverage, they were backed up already into the slot. so by the time Quinn gets the draw pass and starts cutting across, he's already between the face off dots that's a that's at the very least it's a medium scoring chance
0: correct. and you know and coming off the bench is more who's right. hauling ass to try to pick him up. That's on Grunstrom, man. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but immediately they cut to the bench and Todd was all over Grunstrom. Did you see this?
1: No, because I was, that was like doing two different okay. things at the same time. So
0: all over him, he had his arm around him, but he is pointing to him like.
1: Right. You did that. Yeah.
0: Like this, that, and the other things. Like, that's what it looked like. Right. Go watch the Sportsnet highlights. It's they got they got a great shot of it. Mm-hmm. So I forgot what we were talking about, but the one three one, right?
1: One three one and zone entries and such,
0: right? So the whole idea is you got to make them go two hundred feet. So if you're not getting pucks in deep, like forget about it. That's why the yeah. that's why the D was backed up. First of all, they were tired. Set, and it's the long change again. That's why the management is so goddamn important. You have to get it deep. So your guys can get off the ice, one, and two, so you can make that change and you could drop into the one three one and run your goddamn defense. Anyway, so there's a lot of back and forth about has the team tuned out Todd? And I used to think, no way, but the way they're running the structure right now, of course I'm not saying like they're tuning him out and not. They're not running it because Todd. I don't, that's not Mm -hmm. what I'm saying, but it is also the kind of structure that wears on you as a player. Mm -hmm. It is a passive structure. It requires borderline perfection to a large degree, right? Like you have to stop the guy at the line, you have to force the dump, right? You have to retrieve. It's taxing, specifically to your right handed defenseman. It's very taxing. So again, it's not a tune out thing. It just might be like, screw this is something you know i I mean, mean it's
1: it's i also think that like there's just been such a drop off in the intensity of everything the execution the intensity of the execution has just been so lackadaisical like they go for four checks and it just doesn't look quite the same they get into the zone and the push to to really get some quality chances in the slot. It's just not the same. we I remember complaining about this even last year, and it's its just always perimeter, always perimeter, always perimeter, and then just like, okay, we'll go back around the other way on the perimeter. Whereas I feel like in the beginning of the season, there was this concerted effort to constantly get into high danger chances, to constantly get in there, generate cross-scene passes, and... I feel like the only line that's consistently doing that right now is is the nose line and whether you want to say that's guys looking to score their goals or get their points or whatever but it's it they're effective it's to me it's it's such a drastic difference watching that line play compared to certainly the third and fourth line and lazotte's been out multiple games and i've i Feel like you can feel that absence. They've had to move Lewis back to playing center, and he looks like he would rather be anywhere but playing center again at his at this point in his career. So, yeah, I think the absence of Blake Lazada has made a huge difference. But even on the first line, it's like I sometimes watch it and and Byfield's like the only guy sometimes just hustling and trying to like do these things and get in there and it doesn't seem to matter like they briefly remember <laughs> you had a great tweet by the way with the Pierre luc Dubois left wing 2024 2024 lasting all of a game and a half
0: dude that was a um, bad decision was it a was terrible a bad decision, decision from the from the jump like what are we doing like yeah. first of all we've said passionately that if they moved Dubois to the wing for an extended period of time or slash permanently that I would pretty much lose my shit. Right. Because Because that's a tacit
1: admission at that point that like you you did not know what the hell you were doing.
0: I swear to God, I would almost rather, and Austin Stanovich has tweeted this a lot, and he's right, of course, on being unreasonable. Austin's always said, hey, man, if it's not working, find a way to make it work, and maybe that's the wing, which, of course, he's right. But I would rather they don't do that for my own goddamn sanity, because... (laughs) like keep him at center and make it work i don't care i don't want to hear this wing stuff again because if this trade ends up being for winger pierre luc dubois it is a catastrophic trade for various reasons
1: right yeah and and again he's back to center now it it lasted no time at all but the point i i think i was initially trying to make was that that brief period of time they moved byfield to center and all of a sudden that line worked it was just because again it's it's this drive it's the motivation and whether that's because kopi's been hurt or whatever it is i mean the numbers do not lie one goal in 13 games for kopitar one goal for kempe in nine games the the drive the execution from that first line was no longer there to the level that it had been for the first 20-something games. So at that point, you're hoping that your other lines pick it up. At that point, then you start kind of fo- focusing even more on the idea that, like, all right, when's, when's Dubois going to get going? Because this is why we brought him on board, is to help relieve things. Meanwhile, the Dino line's still doing what they're doing. They're darting in and out. They're getting in there. Moore's, you know, getting shot out like a cannon on these four checks and getting chances and it's just it's it's frustrating it's frustrating watching this team play right now because i i've started to expect basically the deno line to do something if i'm lucky the kopitar line maybe gets a chance or two if byfield happens to find a moment and then the other two lines i'm just just don't get scored on just just hold out until the other guys come on. That's that's truly what it feels like to me. And that was supposed to be the whole reason why we made this stupid trade. Why we revamped the entire roster, was to have three lines deep. Ugh.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating. Quentin um, Byfield, man. I don't know what else to say about this guy. He is...
1: A lone bright spot. Literally
0: in- the only <laughs> positive... In this the consistent positive in this stretch. And it is insane to me. Not insane, because we'd had these thoughts, but last season, the end of last I remember his his playoff games, those mistakes he made that led to Edmonton goals, chances, scoring chances, all that stuff. To see what he's become now at age twenty one gives you hope even though it's the hope that kills you it gives you hope mm-hmm. certainly with him with Brandt Clark who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit right now because he's been he's been fun <laughs> he's, been, mm-hmm. he's been a lot of fun man and he's he's kind of doing everything we expected that he would do um trying
1: to Michigan and <laughs>
0: and I hate the you know I hate the Michigan not a lot not in I don't hate it I should take that back I'm not impressed by it. Yeah. Like, I'm not – if someone does a Michigan goal, I kind of watch it and shrug my shoulders and move on. It's not an impressive goal to me. It was impressive in, whatever, 1996. It's mm-hmm. not impressive anymore. But I will say the stones on that kid <laughs> to do it, at that point in the game, when you know, like, people are – at the very least, you know the coaching staff is going to be like, take it easy there, Brand. you know, like mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. – but I, I love I love his energy. Um needs work on his back checks skating. My God like a couple of times he's been caught on breakaways, and I'm just like, oh my, you have no speed whatsoever. <laughs> that one um it was against San Jose, the uh parting of the Red Seagull where LaFerrier yeah. coughed it up. Yeah. And Brent was on the weak side because he had gone too wide. And he was trying to skate back and it was just the ugliest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) You like, he starts skating, you're like, oh, he's not catching him at all. (laughs) And same thing against Buffalo on that Paterka break where you're like, yeah, there's no chance. Yeah. So maybe work a little bit of work there. But yeah, I'm excited. It's just this scratching thing. And and not just, I was going to say of Spence, but of Kaliev too. It's just such, it's so strange, man. Mm -hmm. It is such a strange, like, I would love to know the thought process here. I tweeted, like, the amount of times Artie's getting stretched. it's almost like a trade is imminent kind of thing. You know how they hold out players, like they held out. Columbus held out Gavrikov for, like, six games. Or Arizona had Chikrin out for, like, a ridiculous, like, ten games or something. Right riding the pine before they trade. It just I don't know if that's it, but that's kind of the vibe I'm getting.
1: I, I I don't even know what to say. I really don't even know what to say. I mean I've I've you brought up Austin. We've talked about this with Austin before kind of in discussions. Like I don't understand who the Kings thought they were getting when they drafted this guy. I don't understand why they consistently have issues letting some of these players play to their strengths or putting them in a position where their strengths can shine through and instead they keep putting them in positions where all they want is to expose or work on their weaknesses over and over and over again at some point you gotta put this guy in a position to succeed rather than keep slapping his wrist and making him watch games from the press box thinking that that's going to somehow change something i understand that you felt bad maybe for for jad and you wanted to get him into some games because things weren't going right blake lazotte's been on ir now several several games you call up fagimo for reasons i guess just because he'd been He'd been doing fine in the AHL. And so you want to give him the opportunity to score some goals, I guess. So, I mean, the bottom, the bottom two lines, I don't know. That's (laughs) what, I don't know. I don't know what any of this means anymore. I really don't know. It's fair. Like, do you, do you, again, you could. there's two schools of thought to this, right? It's you bring the guy up and you let him have some NHL games. He shouldn't care where he plays. Because any NHL game is better than an AHL game. And then there's some schools of thought of like, hey man, this guy has scored 21 goals in 23 games. This is what he does. Maybe don't put him on a line with Trevor Lewis as a center and expect him to somehow impress you. Because it's the exact same thing they did with, or what they've done with Artie Callia for three seasons now. It's one thing to be like, Hey, it's your first season guy. Let's let's show you the ropes. Let's show you a little something here. I mean, I I don't know what they're doing. I some I just don't understand what they're doing. It's very strange. They, they play Bjornfoot for an entire year. Not that I'm like overly impressed with Bjornfoot. Then his second year they play less than that. Then his third year, they don't even play him. And they end up losing him. In, in waivers i i I don't what is what are we doing what is the point of any of this why why even have these players why call them up like how does that feel if you're arthur kaliev and you're sitting there going hold on now you're going to bring up fakimo and put him out there meanwhile i have to sit here when the team's scoring two goals or one goals and it, it like what have I seen from Arthur Kaliev that makes me think that he deserves to sit for five games straight?
0: I don't so know. That That's a good question. Jared Anderson,
1: Dolan, and, and Fagimo can get into games.
0: Because he was fine, I think, after. Remember, he sat a little bit yeah. before, or was yeah. it one game? I don't remember. But I thought after that, he was okay. I didn't see any. I mean, looked like he was working.
1: And I'm not saying that Arthur Kaliev is going to come in and be the solution to all the problems here. I'm just. It's another symptom of the problem. When everything's falling apart, it's just like, nothing makes sense. Yeah. This
0: Clark-Spence thing is,
1: I don't know. Also weird. Also weird. Like I don't know. <laughs> I get it. You want to give him some NHL games, I guess, as a as a reward or whatever. And maybe you think like once Arvidsson comes back, then, then none of this is going to matter because there won't be... There won't be any roster room or salary cap room or whatever. But what has Jordan Spence done? to be scratched? Nothing. It's it's a it's a scratch out of convenience. Nothing. That's all you're doing. I, I think
0: he's made one egregious error, and he's Todd sat his ass right when he made that error. And after that, he's made whatever like mistakes rookies will make, I suppose. Um, here's the thing though. They're both NHL defensemen.
1: 100%.
0: So <laughs> this isn't a Foggy situation where you're like, this kid, you know, we need to acclimate him or he needs, you know, he's earned it. Like, here here you go, Sammy. Like, here's some games for scorching the AHL. We don't know if Foggy an NHL player. Right. I don't know if we will find out the way he's being deployed. But I can tell you, Brian Clark's an NHL player, and Jordan Spence is an NHL player. But they're not playing consistent NHL games. Yeah, and I I think
1: there's... That's where I think the responsibility falls on the management a little bit. Like, the roster construction for this team has been very confusing for... I don't know, like three seasons now? Like, I I'm not even lamenting, like, oh, you moved IF Follow and Kupari or whatever. Like, I get it. Those guys were not they weren't sticking around. IF Follow's, you know, paycheck alone and what you were getting yourself into, that's where you're gonna move them. But what is the point with all of these players? if you're not going to play them, why do you just sit them until they lose all value entirely? Because what you think when they're 24 years old and still somehow in your pipeline, like they're going to be effective players for you. Like, I don't understand the point of that.
0: This is the result of an expedited rebuild or whatever you want to call it. Oh, hundred percent. It was, I don't even know what to call it. They did better than
1: they expected that. Call it like it is
0: the second they got to know right all this shit like the the traditional rebuild was out the window right the way dean lombardi rebuilt was not happening so that's what that's what it is man and and if you're gonna go here's and here's where i agree with you um if you're gonna go all in just go all in don't half-ass this shit like don't like, this half, like, yeah, you know, we're competing, but we're, we really care about getting Brand Clark and Jordan Spence these rotating NHL minutes because we're developing these defensemen. Trade one of them. Are you going to sign Matt Roy? If you're planning on signing Matt Roy, you need to trade one of these kids. Yeah. Where are they? Who, they're never going to play. Not consistently. Yeah. You, didn't well, want you should to
1: have traded of last season. If you weren't yeah. going to play him, you should have traded him in the offseason.
0: Quite frankly, man, with Lafarier showing that he could probably be something solid, should have traded him. Should have traded Kaliev. Should have traded an extra left-handed forward, which we have in abundance. That's what I don't understand. Yeah.
1: that that I don't understand some of these non-move moves.
0: Yeah, no, that's it's like this, like I said, this tweener. Yeah, don't know what we're doing. Like, I think we're doing this thing, but we it would look bad if we sold all our pro. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Bro, why do you bring in Trevor Lewis? All due respect, because you think you needed him for PK or whatever. Like, what the hell kind of signal does that send to your other nine bottom six guys that you're bringing in? Why do you have Grunstrom anymore? Why why do you have any of these guys? They're just they're just eating up cap space. Grundstrom's 1.4 million or whatever you're gonna have to sign him for next year. Like, are you really gonna but at the same time, who has more trade value on surface? Arthur Kalyev does. Grundstrom's getting all the games. Arthur Kalyev's got more trade value, except you're not actually displaying Arthur Kalyev in any way. And so you're making the entire NHL think this guy sucks. So you're, so you're basically burying his trade value so you can give Carl Grundström more games. It's, it doesn't make any damn sense. Meanwhile, you keep shifting all your salary towards these forwards, and like you said, the rebuild came faster than they thought because it was a retool or a remake or whatever it was. And so now you don't have money to sign goaltenders. You got away with it with Riddick and Talbot. Now that's fallen apart a little bit. So what do you do if this team does not, if they can't even securely lock down a playoff spot this far into the season, if they cannot hold on securely to the playoff spot that they had earned in the first 21 games of this season, what makes you think that this team, now with a few long-term contracts in play, and no goaltender beyond this year, and the still rotating cast of bottom six guys who the coaching staff doesn't seem to like one more than the other one. They can't figure out what they want. So how can you tell me that this team has the makings of a true cup contender in any way, shape, or form for this season, next season, or the one after that? You're sitting here hoping that Lazat and Arvidson coming back somehow change things. You don't even know if Arvidsson's coming back. And if he does come back, he's not under contract for next season. <laughs> I mean, right. it's it's the planning is just awful. It it so much of it feels like just sh- throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. And it was working great for the first 20 games, and so everyone got super happy, patted themselves on the back, but now you're actually seeing the team falling apart in front of your eyes and not being able to pull itself out of it. You can tell me the underlying metrics look good. They're going to look good because it's a, it's a shot heavy approach to offense, but the results are what they are. And what do you do?
0: There's nothing you can do because you have no cap space to do anything.
1: Yep. You can't trade any of these guys. No, You're not going to trade Dubois.
0: Dubois, like, people throwing Dubois into these chicken. Oh, stop. Like, you're out to lunch. Please. No one's touching that contract. His trade value right. is at the lowest it could possibly be. Right. There is there is no lower. Yeah, and they they're can't do anything at the deadline. They can't address their goaltending in any way. hmm Their Cam Talbot is probably going to, if the Kings make the playoffs, Cam Talbot is going to be in the net for game one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't, uh man, I don't know. We did uh we got some questions though. I threw this out on Twitter, send us some okay, questions. Sure. Um not high volume. We got uh we got I think let's see. Four number one, why does Todd still have a job? Was the first question um i knew this was gonna come um i'll tell you this i don't blame todd
1: for this i'm gonna I be i'm gonna be very frank
0: i i blame him a little bit but i it's not, not like not, not the to the extent of like black and yes. white problem is todd mcclellan that's I not think, the case. i think
1: i think people are getting a little bit infatuated with the idea of like look what happened to the oilers you fired Woodcroft, you brought on Knobloch, and now look at him, they rattled off a historic win streak. The Oilers are not winning because they changed their coach. The coach is deploying these players the exact same way. If you look at how the Oilers, again, the, their underlying metrics and everything that they were doing, it was as superior when Woodcroft was the coach as it has been when Knobloch came on. Fundamentally nothing has changed except for the fact that the guys who are awesome players have started producing like they had historically. <laughs> <being produced>. awesome <laughs> That's it.
0: Oh, and, and Skinner. Skinner's and making Skinner. saves. Skinner's making
1: saves. I don't that's, know if you want to l- credit block
0: for... That's literally the difference. Jay that's Woodcroft, it. had he stayed on, this would have happened. Oh, that, I fully agree. That's believe exactly
1: it. and that's exactly my point. So the logic that like look at the Oilers they made the change this could happen for the Kings I don't buy that
0: one bit I don't I don't know if I'm being honest with you um, since I'm sure every question this is another question since hmm. I'm sure every question will be either about PL or Todd <laughs> that's funny uh, thoughts about thoughts about Quickie back and showing so much emotion during the ceremony personally I was disgusted that he's not wearing a King sweater. Blake never had loyalty as a player, and surely, and that surely hasn't changed. Um, I was there; it was special. Is the best way I could put it. Like all, it's something I'll remember. I'm very proud of the fans. I'm proud that moment. I was proud to be a Kings fan because of the ovation they gave him. Um, there was a lot of recognition of what he did. I'm super happy the Kings did it the way they did it. Um, I was talking to Russell Morgan before the game, and I was like, I don't know if you've ever seen the PK Subban return to Montreal, but they they put the spotlight on him in the pregame when he was lined up on the blue line. And they, like, dimmed the arena lights, and they played the video package before the game. And although I felt like, wow, that was really cool, I, I felt like, okay, pregame, Quick's not going to have any of that shit he, if they even approached them or asked them, he would probably shoot that down. But I'm glad they like blacked out the arena and put the spotlight on him. I thought that was really cool. Um, yes, it's not, does not feel good to watch him wear another sweater. Blake never had loyalty as a player that surely hasn't changed. Look, man, I agree. And I'm, in many ways, I think that's a good thing that there's no sentimentality because don't forget Dean Lombardi got fired for that. Dean Lombardi got fired because he couldn't fire Daryl Sutter. Dean Lombardi got fired because he didn't buy out Mike Richards when he had the no penalty buyout. Dean was loyal to, some would say, a fault. So one thing, though, is it will be interesting, Vardy, if the Kings lose all three on this road trip. Rob Blake's loyalty will be tested big time. Because I think, I don't know how you don't make a coaching change at that point over the break. You have the time to do your interviews. It's a nice little chunk of time for you to really think about who you want. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next question. Uh, Who on this team is playing selfishly and who is playing for the team based on Drew's comments? We kind of touched on this. I don't want to speculate of – like we said, the first answer everyone's going to go to is P.L. And it's not fair. If he's referencing Fiala, we mentioned, although I was very harsh with Fiala, I don't think it's fair to say he's a singularly selfish player. If it's Trevor Moore for his lackadaisical defense in the stretch, again, that was that's just speculation. My initial instinct was that he was just trying to make a general reference and he did it very, 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 very poorly. Mm-hmm. And the last one is a comment. Your closing segment every week has made me much better with uh, King's jersey numbers before I was born. Not super useful, but it makes me feel good anyway. Thanks, boys. Great stuff. Perfect segue, if you ask me.
1: That's what we love. Little happy tones. Thank you for the comments, guys.
0: Please keep them coming. This was low volume. I want to see more next time.
1: (laughs) And on that note... Uh, since we got light questions, you get some light numbers. This is episode number 113. Um,
0: No one wants the unlucky 13, huh?
1: No one wants it, man. Paranoia runs wild. There's only <laughs> five guys. In history? In history.
0: That is wild, my friend.
1: And, and four of them should be like easy peasy. Actually, all five of them should be easy peasy for you
0: okay yeah um i know four for sure um
1: yeah go for it
0: kyle clifford yep gabe Villardi. yep mike camilleri yep robert long mm-hmm. okay so that you're telling me i should know this new problem. yep okay um just give me a minute give me a minute Is it in my wheelhouse of wheelhouses or is it outside my wheelhouse?
1: It's, it's, it's weird. It's a, it's a guy who at least from hockey reference point of view has worn three different numbers with the Kings. Oh boy. But somehow was a part of this team's organization for four seasons.
0: So he wore three different numbers in four seasons. Correct. Amazing.
1: <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> uh...
0: Okay. Gretzky era jersey? No. Okay. Uh... Paul Fiera jersey?
1: Uh... Yeah? It's later. Slightly later.
0: Okay. Is it... John Zeiler? Bam. The old homie, John Zyler, who well, for whatever reason, I went to, I had a stretch of hanging out with John Zyler. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Interesting Wild fella. A,
1: a, a story for another <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> Interesting fella.
1: Oh man, yes. John Zyler has worn 73, 13, and 29 the team God, first guy Johnny. doesn't doesn't even care what the number is on the back.
0: That is wild that no one wore that number. The Kings must have like blacklisted it or something. I mean, don't know. it's got to be right before like, Long they must not let
1: people. Yeah, right.
0: Long is the last one. Okay, yeah. our first one. Sorry, well,
1: first one. First one.
0: Superstition thing, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna do it? Are we gonna rock the foundations?
1: So you know what's interesting is the guys who have worn this have worn it a fair bit. I mean, Long wore 93 to 96, Camillary 2003 to 2008, Tyler doesn't count. <laughs> Clifford, obviously the longest reigning 2011 to 2020. And, uh, and Gabe should have, should have worn it forever, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that road.
0: It's gotta it's, be Clifford.
1: It's gotta be. It's, it's gotta, gotta be, be
0: Clifford. The Kyle Clifford episode. I never, I like Kyle Clifford. Some people Mm -hmm. worship Kyle Clifford. Yes. Like it's, it's like worship. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I will never be confused with one of those people, but I I can't say I don't appreciate. The fact that he was on the cup teams is. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's rarefied air. That's legendary status, even for a guy like him. Right. those guys are immortal so
1: yeah i mean his he was directly involved in a cup winning goal absolutely i mean that's
0: <laughs> second assist baby there you go it's there on that rush he's whenever they play that clip the name kyle Clifford will ring for eternity. So he was go. also excellent in the 2011 playoffs. By the way, yes, when Kopitar was down, him and and Wayne Simmons were tremendous.
1: And ironically, I think his performance was ma- what made people feel like Wayne Simmons was
0: expendable. Expendable. <laughs> yeah.
1: As as like as like what he brought, right? Like sure, that tough kind sure. of power forty. Not maybe obviously not in terms of production, but. I mean, people forget, man. Potential was, for sure. Dude, people forget he was a 35th overall draft pick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a joke, man.
0: That's a culture draft pick by Dean, right there. Mm-hmm. And culture yep. is very, very relevant right now, isn't it?
1: Yep. The two picks from 2009 that the Kings had were Braden Shen and uh, and Kyle Clifford. I believe is the next one, if, unless I'm missing someone else. Yeah. And Kyle Clifford was right there. So, there you go. The Kyle Clifford episode, everyone. Oh, one one last thing I wanted to throw out. Please Just do. Change of pace. Uh, some news, finally, with regards to Bally Sports being bailed out by Amazon. And seems like they're going to land on uh, Amazon Prime Video in terms of streaming at some point.
0: Fantastic!
1: I, for one, cannot wait. <laughs> because... Good lord, Bally Sports is a there's, a, there's a special circle of hell that you go where you die where Bally Sports just makes you log in over and over and over again until you miss the entirety of the game that you're trying to watch. And that's just what it is. You just wake up every morning and you, you're like, oh, the Kings game's on. Then you just keep trying to log into Bally Sports and it doesn't work and it reconnects you to your TV provider and you have to put that eight number code or whatever it is in there. And that's just what you do.
0: My version of hell is the Kings are in the cup finals in game seven Mm. and it goes to overtime and the Bally app kicks me out because they have the post game show slotted. So I have to get kicked out and go back and forth for 10 minutes during which time the Kings will clinch the cup, skate the cup and leave the ice by the time I get back.
1: Meanwhile, you'll still be hearing that awful where it's just the sound of the basketball bouncing.
0: Oh, yes. Bunk.
1: <laughs>
0: Bunk. Oh.
1: And then... Whoosh. I hate that app so much.
0: Oh. I hate that app.
1: I realize, you know, Amazon's taking over the world. I cannot wait for our Amazon overlords to take over Valley Sports.
0: Please, make it fast. Make yes. it painless. Let's do this.
1: Perfect. All right. Thank you all. Uh... Man, I don't know. Let's just see how the hell this goes. It's I'm
0: still I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah. I still think there's a good team somewhere in here. Just figure it out. Have your come to Jesus yep. meeting, call each other out, whatever. Have a fist fight. Drop the gloves Dust- next practice.
1: Dustin Brown was in town. You should have had him stack some freaking trash cans in front of the door.
0: <laughs> right. Many references to that for the ones who so know so
1: much. So much. I mean, three so three games, obviously, Colorado. St. Louis, Nashville, and then a long layoff. Yeah, long layoff much until February 10.
0: Just get to the break. Don't Seriously. drop that at a wild card.
1: Whole team should go off to, I don't know, some sort of yurt related med- meditation re- <laughs> Do it. retreat, sweat lodges, whatever we'll, it might take.
0: Leave Dowdy at home. He's just going to ruin the whole thing. Yeah, he's he just going to
1: ruin things. He's not going to wait to get the talking stick before he uh, before <laughs> yeah. he takes his turn speaking. Gonna have to. The counselor's gonna keep telling him, Drew, you don't hold, you don't have the talking stick. Anyway, I'm tired. Kings are tired. It's I had an hope. exhausting episode too, but it, it, it took it passion. out. But you know what? I feel better. I feel better I, though. I, that's I, what I it really is. do. That's yeah. what it is. So I expect expect them to lose against Colorado, but I'm not giving up hope of putting something decent together against St. Louis and Nashville, and that'll be a nice way to end it before the before the and those are the teams trying
0: to catch you in the wild card by the way if you didn't know
1: that's right there's some stakes there All right, thank you all like subscribe appreciate all the twitter interaction we're here to get through it together no matter what we love this stupid stupid team god bless them uh go kings (laughs) go